You're listening to Second Stories, created and produced by Second Story, with me, Abigail Brocker, as your host. Second Story is a nonprofit based in Northern Virginia, working to provide safe havens and opportunities to grow and thrive to youth in crisis and their families. We help homeless youth and youth in crisis step away from their first story, one often marked by abuse, hardship, and crisis, and write their own second story, full of hope and promise. My anger was like shrapnel explosive. So it would just go everywhere. And I'd be angry at everybody for everything. I sort of jumped the gun and it felt like I was abandoning them before they could abandon me. In many ways, Lucy's story is remarkably normal. In fact, statistics say that about half of us will find solidarity with Lucy and that about half of us are children of divorce. On paper, Lucy's story ends happily. Her parents love her and she maintains strong relationships with them now. They sought help for her when she struggled. They went to counseling with her. They did everything they could to help she and her brother cope through their family's legal disintegration. In many ways, Lucy gives voice to our collective experience. She relives something that is familiar for many of us and forces us not to write off our own pain, even if it's normalized. She reminds us that pain doesn't have to be unique or unusual or diagnosable to be valid. Lucy's story speaks to the universality of struggle and hardship, and she embodies the bravery that we too, at some point, muster up. The bravery to keep going even when we've been hurt. And she presses on with joy and laughter, grief and honesty, fear and hope. Hey, Abigail. Hey, Lucy. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm so glad you're willing to do this. I'm especially excited about talking to you because I think that your story is one that people are going to resonate with on a different level than um, even usual. I just think it's a, a pretty universal story, but just as meaningful and just as impactful. And I'm so glad that you're willing to kind of be the person that we can um, like find solace with. Great. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to help. Thanks. So I want to start all the way from the beginning. Tell me about your childhood. Like, tell me about some of your youngest, earliest years and memories of life at home. That's a long way back <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, you know, it was pretty happy, actually. We lived um, right next to the river. We were on the water every day. We were in the woods every day. We were, like, clothing optional <laughs> and we were just, like, running around all the time. We always had people over and family, friends, whatever it was. Uh, we lived near Shepherdstown. So it was kind of this little pocket of um, liberalism, basically. Mm -hmm. So we kind of fit right into this whole hippie <laughs> mentality. You know, early on, we were kind of in the woods. And so we were like wild animals, basically. <laughs> My brother might speak differently, but mm -hmm. I was never really aware that there's ever a problem in any capacity. Yeah. Um, there were certainly times when my parents would say, okay, well, we're not, we're going to go to Goodwill. We'll shop there instead of wherever else. And we were like, awesome. That sounds like fun. <laughs> like, this is cool. Yeah. Uh, my mom essentially is, was a freelancer mm -hmm. um, and my dad was starting his own company. So, you know, it, when you're a new parent starting out, it's tough, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad wasn't around so much. He started his business in Kensington, Maryland, 
which is like an hour. Well, <laughs> now during rush hour, it's like five hours away, but, yeah, um, Oh, it's ridiculous. But then, you know, it's an hour and a half away from Shepherdstown. So, um, but you know, still a highlight, like we just had fun with him. So, mm -hmm. uh, it, I don't know. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And at what point, like how old were you when things started to change a little bit with family dynamics? Well, my parents split probably when I was about six and I still don't totally remember that really being the case. Cause like I said, he wasn't really around to begin with, which was probably a big catalyst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I guess it was when it was more, you know, daddy wasn't coming home to see us. We would go stay at daddy's. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was certainly, um, I guess a shift in emotion of my parents behind that. Um, and not to speak ill of either one of them, you know, they handled it very well as far as my brother and I are concerned. And we, we never really saw them fighting or knew there was really an issue. So in a way that was almost kind of confusing to us too. But again, you know, we had a good time, like either way, we'd go stay with my dad who was closer to the city. So we went to the zoo and did all the city things and had to wear shoes. And, <laughs> um, and that was just different, you know? So as far as the family dynamic stuff is, you don't really become, or we didn't, I shouldn't speak for my brother, but um, he's only four years younger than I am. Mm. But I didn't really become aware of it until I was probably, I don't know, like my early teens, 12, 13. Mm. Um, around middle school, you know, and then my dad met my stepmom when we were younger mm -hmm. and they eventually and finally got married. And so she was a really significant part of our life at that point. And so that change in another parent that kind of had their hand in was difficult, I guess. I think for both of us, really, again, I should stop talking for my brother, but <laughs> um, certainly for me, yeah, you know, and now she's, she's great. She's one of, you know, she's certainly a third parent to me mm -hmm. without question. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think around then, and then it was really like, okay, so this is like a separate family over here. And then I started to get pretty angry about that. Interesting. So do you think it was, what it was it about having a separate family, as you say, that made you angry? Um, it was kind of like, you know, you had a family <laughs> mm -hmm. and now you're kind of ditching us for this other family, mm -hmm. which there's no other children involved. It's just my brother and I between our, my parents and my two, well, my, I have a stepsister, mm -hmm. um, but they, my mom and my stepdad didn't meet until later. I was like out of high school. So um, she wasn't really a factor in this high school in emotion, basically. Mm -hmm. Um but with my stepmom, there was never, there weren't any other kids. <laughs> right. They just had this separate life where they traveled and my dad had started making money and his business really took off. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, what the heck? Like, you know, you're kind of like selling out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he used to drive Jeeps all the time and suddenly he had a Mercedes and I was like, oh. what is going on? Yeah. yeah, that one really tore me up, actually. <laughs> Weird. Do you think it was like an abandonment of values and standards that you felt like you had as a family? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Because, you know, he was all into that, like, you know, wild, you know, where the wild things where I was like mm -hmm. 100% my younger childhood. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And suddenly he was like, okay, you have to put your napkin on your lap and oh, <laughs> you can't eat in the car and we're going into this fancy building, you know, which yeah. was great. And I as an adult now really appreciate that I had that dichotomy of upbringing. Yeah. But, um, for sure that one was, it was such a like shift in mentality 
Yeah. That was difficult. And I was old enough, too, that it was, you know, it was kind of stifling, obviously. Right. I imagine it would be confusing to have one life and kind of be one way and then go and have to be another way in another life. It would. Did you feel like you had a little bit of an identity crisis? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a, a silly example is like swearing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you know, my stepmom coming in, she was, she's still as very proper and we eat with a knife and fork mm-hmm. and we don't swear. And I was like, we don't what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 12 yeah. years old. Right. I'm like this crazy hippie kid. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like, what do you mean? I gotta like wear but a collared shirt or something. Like mm-hmm. I don't even wear a shirt shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so it was, it was really tough. And, and that kind of goes along with the money side of it too. Cause we, like I said, we're really used to this goodwill, um, kind of mentality and not that we, I'm trying to think of like a restaurant example. We never really ate out. It was special occasions, right? Yeah. So then we're like eating out every weekend with my dad and my stepmom and, you know, it was a much, like you said, it was a much fancier life. So it mm-hmm. was for sure the identity crisis was strong. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember like the day or the week that your parents told you they were splitting up and what emotions sounds like it didn't really register with you at the time. Do you remember what emotions you felt? You know, it's funny. I remember like the exact spot on the road. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was like, so it is a vivid memory. I mean, what do you associate with that? Like, what was it like? Um, we were like in the car with my mom and we're all, you know, we're singing or something and, and it so my mom's like, okay, we got to talk, guys. And my brother's like zero years old, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, he's probably two or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, has no idea. Um, which means really I was like five or six, which, yeah. you know, I mean, how much can you remember from that? But yeah. I, yeah, really clearly like music goes down. Mom kind of says, hey, guys, we got to talk. I just want you to know that daddy's moving in with grandpa and granny Annie and we're going to stay living here. And I remember just being really confused and we were like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, well, we just don't get along. And we were like, uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. That young, like you're not really yeah, picking up on it. Right. You totally don't see it. Yeah. They were so like back of the house kind of arguing about stuff. They never argued in front of us. I mean, I never remember hearing them argue, disagree, having any kind of like negative emotion towards each other ever Hmm. at all. So yeah, it was a lot of confusion now because of like, well, what do you mean he's going to a different house? We were like, sweet, two Christmases. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, or Hanukkahs or whatever we did both. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was like, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, why would we do that? That just doesn't really make sense, but I mean, okay. And then it slowly registered as you got older. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was a kind of a long decline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. so when, I mean, you said you were angry. Um, what did that look like? Like, what did it look like to all of a sudden be angry about this situation when you were a little bit older and actually understood what this meant for you? Well, I started getting really angry that my dad wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm re- recalling, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's, um, set up like a Friday night dinner thing with your dad. I think that was sort of the result of a therapy session or something. And I think I was, I don't know, probably 13 when that started. Okay. Um, so we, it was like, we'd have these therapy things and then we'd go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of awful. Yeah. Like, the poor people like sitting around us, like, yeah. you know, this like crazy angry teenager, yeah. like yelling at my dad. Mm-hmm. 
in the middle of, you know, like these fancy restaurants, like we go to Delmonico's and I'm like screaming at my dad. <laughs> oh, big switch there. Yeah. And you started rebelling a little bit. Like what age yeah. was that at? Mm, I think that was probably right at the end of my freshman year. I think I, um, you know, I kind of just started noticing boys really like in a bigger mm-hmm. way. And by that point, I'd sort of started to like move away from the friends that I'd had in since elementary school right. um, for a while, you mm-hmm. know, so I had met this other friend <laughs> who she was definitely a wild kid on the not the same way that we were mm-hmm. she you know has her family was still together blah blah but she had older siblings and so she's certainly more promiscuous than I was we sort of formed this group and once we all kind of figured out this like smoking thing started doing that quite a bit because that's mm-hmm. such a great you know conversation mm-hmm. thing um and then I fell into this group of girls and and other friends too but we um we met this I don't even remember how we met this group of guys that went to like our rival high school. And that was, we started really hanging out with them Mm -hmm. and, and that was trouble. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And did you know at the time, like I'm doing this because I'm upset about what's going on at home or was it just kind of like, meh, I need something to do. Yeah, no, no, no. I was totally oblivious for me. It's all just fun. Right. Like I'm just having fun. If I don't want to do it, I'll say, no, that's fine. I'm not, I have no interest in like doing your heroin or whatever, but, um, you know, we were smoking pot and stuff. Yeah. Weirdly kids don't often associate their risky behaviors with the root cause. Not at all. Yeah. Well, nobody ever like says, Hey, you know what? You have to do some like critical analytical thinking about like when you eat chocolate, your face breaks out. You know what I mean? It's like, that's more obvious Mm -hmm. than when your, your parents are over here doing X, Y, Z. You're over there going, well, wait a second. Now what I do? Okay. I'm going to go find a new family over there. (laughs) Interesting. So do you, do you feel like that's kind of what you were doing was trying to find a new family in a sense? Actually, I never felt like that but my brother and I have had the conversation that he always felt like that actually and so I know that he really felt a lot more of that abandonment than I did I sort of jumped the gun and it felt like I was abandoning them before they could abandon me interesting do you think that was part of it was trying to abandon them before they could abandon you yeah, I'm going to like nip this in the bud and you know what? I'm I'm going to go. I got to go, guys. I got stuff to do before you can tell me you're going out to do your own thing. Like, I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to go make plans on my own. Very interesting. Now, as an adult, do you reflect on some of those like, memories? Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I wound up in those situations. <laughs> so many times. So we ended up at this house and we're, it was so like outside of our normal thing. But, you know, you notice a lot of things, right? So I'm walking around like, okay, it's really dark in here. Things are kind of like cruddy and crummy and I don't really know why. So in hindsight, it was a crack house. I mean, and I had, I was like 15 or 16. I had no idea. Well, and I'm sure as an adult, you're glad that you were protected from some of that more intense stuff. So yeah, we were we somehow all of us really lucked out in that department. We didn't really know a lot of people who overdosed until way afterwards. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, so those stories do they crop up all the time and every once in a while I kind of get you know, you're like, "Now I know what I'm looking at," you know? So 
I was always out and I was always out till like two in the morning. I never had a curfew. I never really had any like, well, don't go do this. My mom was like, whatever, be safe. You know, I was out and I, some, I don't even remember what the catalyst was. I, I think I was supposed to meet my dad and I, like he was at the house and I came home with a friend and I was all angry about whatever I was angry about and totally blew up at my dad and essentially was like, I'm leaving. Bye guys. Peace. I'm running away. And this buddy kind of stuck around and sort of talked to my parents. And I don't think, I can't remember if he had been there or a friend of his had been with second story um, at the time called alternative house. And um, he's <laughs> was so mad at him for this, but he suggested that they send me there. And it was kind of interesting that he sort of recognized that actually. So like, that night or something, I think my mom was like, yep, we're doing that and probably called. And I think the next day I moved in and I was livid about it. Hmm. You know, like, are you kidding? <laughs> you know, you've already like done all this. I mean, the fact that you brought up abandonment earlier is probably accurate, right? It's like, hmm. you guys have freaking dished me. My dad's never here. My mom is always dating somebody hmm. and which my brother and I both were really like, that was such a we really were frustrated by that. Um, and at the time, my mom, I think, was dating our neighbor who had a daughter that was my age. And so I was like, you're not, you guys are never home anyways. And now you're like sending me yeah, away to yeah. go like further. And it was like, you know, harumph with my arms crossed, sitting in the bed with a grump face on mm -hmm. for, <laughs> mm -hmm. for what I could. But, you know, once you get there, you kind of go through all the rules and like how things are going to work. So, yeah. How was the experience? I loved it. I was still in school. I think it was during the school year. So I think I had to like take a bus or something, which was cool. Um, totally a sense of independence. You know, the kind of like known rules, like here's how we do these things bed every day and somebody cooks dinner or a group of you cook dinner and then the other group is going to do X, Y, you know, whatever it was, right? Everything was really divvied up and shared out. I was heavily involved with the counseling you know, he did a really good job of kind of listening with, um, between my mom and I really, you know, I mean, you can listen to a teenager babble on all day long, but he would say, okay, well, time out. Let's think about what you just said. That's a really good point. And here I'm sensing something based off of your comment that really has a deeper meaning that penny made my mom's penny that maybe you're not hearing or understanding. Right. So he did individual therapy with us and family therapy with us. Um, and that really, you know, I, I've always, I've done therapy before that and he really, you know, he really communicated well between the two of us. I think we started really communicating better. Um, you know, we were kind of able to say like, Hey, uh, can you kind of stick around for the, whatever, you know, whatever it is. I'm trying to think of an example, but, um, you know, we were able to tell each other what we needed from each other a little bit more clearly, I think. And without the emotion behind it, that totally sets both of us off. Yeah. So I'm interested in that too. So we've talked a lot about feeling a little bit abandoned by your dad, but your mom sounds like a pretty intense personality as well. Did you struggle with that at all? I mean, she must have felt like something had to change too, because she's the one that wanted you to come to a second story. She, I think, did hit a breaking point. And I think she hit a breaking point because you know, my anger was totally, it was certainly directed at my dad, but it was explosive and it was like shrapnel explosive. Right. So it would just go everywhere and I'd be angry at everybody for everything. And my poor brother, you know, he's got his own things going on yeah. and he took a lot of the 
brunt for that when I was younger. Um, but you know, it was like unfocused rage. So I just would like flip out on my mom for things that like didn't even make sense. I think her breaking point was more about how she felt or how she couldn't handle my explosiveness, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, no, it does. That's a good way to describe it. With my dad, I would imagine it would be certainly more the behavior side of my mom. I think it was like that. I can't live like this. Like this is killing. Like she got breast cancer too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous. She had breast cancer twice. Once when I was like 12, 13, and then again after high school. But you know, she's like in recovery through all of this too. And she's going through chemotherapy and blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. She's like, you're killing me with the stress level yeah I think it was more about the my like like I said the explosive rage side of it and again my poor brother who's also lost in the mix of this with having done absolutely nothing he was like the best sweetest kid and I'm sure I totally ruined him I mean that kind of thing takes a toll on a whole family oh absolutely absolutely and I think that was I mean especially now as an adult it's clearly the right decision you know everybody needed a break I think being with alternative house or second story was sort of a a good eye opener to say that all things as a teenager, which you're like, my life is over, right? Is to show you that things can change, right? And it always really, you know, kind of unknowingly been really good with change, but that and and the therapy thereafter was good to say like, you know what, we can, the one who's responsible for how you feel about all of this is me and me alone. That was kind of one of the biggest takeaways, but, and, and being able to say, okay, something is changing. Something is, you know, moving around or whatever. And I'm okay with that, that we'll figure out how to deal with that and we'll adapt very easily. So that's, you know, recognizing that that's a big part of life, I think was, was a a huge lesson after this whole journey, your personal journey, everything, was there a time that you feel like you could say you came to terms or came to peace with the fact that you, your parents split up and your childhood was the way it was? There were probably a lot of those kind of epiphany moments. At one point I moved, I'd never really lived with my dad and my stepmom, but my brother had been living with them for years already. I moved in there and I was like, this house is delightful. Why would you ever not Mm -hmm. be here and do this? Right. (laughs) So that was, yeah, I was like, okay, clearly my mom and my dad are never getting back together again. All right. So that was probably kind of where it was like, oh, everybody's like pretty settled and happy. And then there's like a different type of love that goes along with having children. So then when we had my older son, I like can't tell you the number of times I called my parents and I was like, you guys, I'm like sobbing, right? Because like childbirth sucks and nursing sucks. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You see it all with fresh eyes. Yeah, because the type of... Like that emotion towards your kid is like, I just want to squeeze you to pieces because part of your brain still thinks about your kids like they're infants or toddlers. So I, I for sure many times since really having kids have called my parents and been like, oh my God, the worst daughter ever. And they're all like, no, no, we, it's fine. (laughs) We we expected this. (laughs) It happens to all of us. It gives you so much perspective. Oh my God. This perspective is out of this world. I think the thing I mentioned to you is so interesting to me about your story is that it's just not like this was a real legitimate hard thing for you growing up, but it's not rare at all. Like, I mean, we talked about, I think like half of marriages end in divorce. Not all of those marriages have kids, I'm sure, but still like 
divorce is a hard thing and it happens all the time. So now as an adult, as someone who has kids and is married and is kind (laughs) of like at the other side of that (laughs) situation, when you look at families who are going through that situation and kids who have parents who are getting divorced, is there something you wish made it better? So personally, no, I don't think that they could have done it any better. They kept it away from us. They were, you know, they never like felt a lack of love or caring from either parent. So we were really (laughs) kind of oblivious as to why or what the situation was. And everybody's Mm -hmm. always, I mean, it's been, what did I say? When I think they were like officially divorced and so however many years it's been since then, 27 years or something. They're wow. still like totally cordial. They're everybody hangs out and gets along really well. Like we had mm-hmm. Thanksgiving with my mom and my, you know, at my dad's house <laughs> with my mm-hmm. dad and my stepmom. My wow. stepmom's an interior designer. She re- she just redid my mom and my stepdad's like whole kitchen and living room. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So they I'm honestly to their credit, they have done a phenomenal job of getting divorced. They were very good at getting divorced. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it was still hard. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's valid to be able to just say, like, my parents loved me. They supported me. They did what they could. But it doesn't mean it wasn't really hard. Right. And that that wasn't a, a challenging part of my story, that I didn't feel all those things still. And, and that you didn't have a right to feel those things. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us um, how you're doing now? I mean, I know you're married. I know you have kids. But just tell us, like, your status now. Um, it's a pirate ship over here, you know? <laughs> Basically, um, somebody mutinies like every other week. So it depends on if it's the cat or the three-year-old or my husband or my, you know, all of us. So, um, you know, it's, it is wild. Every step of the way has been wild. My husband and I, we have our ups and downs, you know, um, we know it sucks. We, he, his parents were really never together that he was aware. I mean, they were together till he was like three months old, I think, you know, so he has no idea. Um, and we said, okay, so if we are actually getting married, then we are committed to each other. We're not getting divorced. We're not, you know, we're going to figure out how to make it work kind of no matter what. We've almost gotten divorced many times. Um, Mm. you know, we, we stick it out. We make it work. The heart of it, we do love each other. You know, we still kiss every morning when he goes to work or whatever. And we're very good at sort of letting everything go, which, you know, yeah. most people don't. It's really hard. You know, yes. we kind of just go, all right, well, we'll just get over it for now. If it's an issue, yeah. we'll discuss it later or something. Yeah. I think there's a level, though, of bravery in, you know, it seems so normal for you to just create your own family and to get married and have kids. But after after having a that term broken home, I feel like is really weird and bad, yes. but for lack of a better term. No, no, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. To be able to say like, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to commit and have a relationship and have a marriage. I mean, I think that's part of, that's just part of the heart behind this whole first story, second story thing that we talked yeah. about is saying like, it's hard sometimes to even just write that second story per se, Absolutely. but, but there's bravery to it and it's worth it more worth it for us to stay as a unit than it is to, you know, to split that up. And I think that's a super brave choice. I admire you for that. Thanks for taking your time to do this. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for offering it. Thanks for sharing.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Second Stories. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so thankful if you rated our podcast and left us a review. Be sure to also hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Second Stories is created and produced by Second Story with support from our technical director, Franklin Vaughn. Second Story is a nonprofit based in Northern Virginia that works to provide safe havens and opportunities to grow and thrive to youth in crisis and their families. Learn more about what Second Story does and how you can support us at second-story.org. We hope you'll join us next time.